It's as if thousands of Steelers fans cried out and the Lord heard their cries. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You know what that means. Kenny Pickett was finally placed in the game Sunday against the New York Jets. Didn't really help much because the Steelers still lost that game, but hope is still there. Zach and I are going to break down uh, Sunday's game against the New York Jets. Mostly going to be talking about Pickett and what we expect to see from Pickett for the rest of the season because the assumption is that he'll be our starter for the rest of the year. We will briefly preview the game against the Buffalo Bills, and then we're going to go over our stock risings and fallings for the week. There will be a decently lengthy segment on the Miami Dolphins and their absolute debacle, if that's how you want to say it, with Tua Tungvaluwa. And after that, we will give you our dark horse, and Zach will give his hot take. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Two Steelers fans in a pro football world. I am Zach. And I am Dill. And we are here to bring you all of the news from the NFL, USFL, and XFL from a Pittsburgh Steelers fans perspective. But today we are covering just the, another somber loss from the Steelers, which really shouldn't have happened. But hey, at least we got some Kenny Pickett out of it. So I'm going to take it. As, as at least a moral win here, even though they don't have those in football. But well, I'd argue that we do sometimes, especially yeah. when you're. We're this is the dawning of a new era, so I would call that a moral win. I'm exactly. I'm alright with that. And if you look at the first game that Ben Roethlisberger came in for Tommy Maddox, he also did not perform very well. He threw two interceptions, didn't really get much done, and uh, you know Kenny through three but really only one was kind of his fault so i that that's the biggest thing there's so much counter narrative going on around the nfl right now that it really ticks me off because kenny did not look as bad as the stat sheet or he didn't look as bad as half of the analysts are saying you know some analysts are still saying it's like you know the steelers tried to liven up their offense and Kenny Pickett came in with a lot of hope behind him. And in turn, he throws three interceptions and, you know, doesn't really do anything. I'm like, doesn't do anything. Every other pass besides his three interceptions were completions generally for a decent amount of yardage in completions for a decent amount of yardage from a Steelers quarterback. We haven't seen that in like four years. It, it was, it was very nice. Also, he scored two touchdowns, I think, in the second half. That's more than Mitch Trubisky has. Actually, that's just as many as Mitch Trubisky threw in almost four games. Right. And now, granted, Penny ran both of them, but it doesn't matter. He still scored them. Right. Yeah, he wasn't passing them because guess what? The Jets were able to clamp down our receivers. So when he clamps down the receivers – Instead of just falling into sacks like Mitch Trubisky was doing, he's actually, you know, making moves. I'd argue that it wasn't even that they locked down the receivers. It's just that George Pickens is the only one who can catch the damn football. That's that's fair. Look, I'll also say this. The Pickett-to-Pickens connection is going to be something that is going to go through the NFL for years. That, That is going to be, I think, equivalent to the Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes connection, or at least close to that level in not too long. Like 
that that's going to be a major connection throughout the NFL. This is without Calvin Austin on the field as well. And I'm so excited for Calvin Austin. Wow, where right. the, has he? I it like just dawned on me that he's not been on the field this entire. Where is he? Is he he's been in IR. Oh, yeah. Do we know when he's coming back? <laughs> he just got removed from IR recently. Uh, they have four weeks, or no, three weeks, I believe, to put him back on at least the practice squad um, and to basically put him in games or at least claim that he's on the team. Okay, so expect to see him pretty soon then, I suppose. Wow, that didn't yeah. occur to me. They said uh, the likelihood of him playing this week is very slim, but he will, or he has a decent chance at playing against Tampa Bay. So you could actually argue that Watt and Austin might come at the same time. Yeah, because there is a chance that Watt could come back against Tampa Bay. That would be likely the earliest that he could return. And let's be honest, we we know TJ Watt. If he can return and he's not feeling too bad, he's going to come in. And I, I would, as much as this kind of hurts a little bit, I would hope that they gave him, like, in his first game back, close to half the reps that he would have gotten. I don't want to see him on the field as much as normal. I want to see him come on the field in a very important play, beat the crap out of the opposing offense, and then come off, but get a big play in. But don't put him in and just basically get him re-injured on plays that might not be as important. If you need like a big third down stand or you – really need a sack at some point or you basically you really want to force a turnover then throw him in at least for the first game just to see how he's doing yeah um, i think that would be the best way to do it i would agree plus, i yeah plus just having tj watt on the field is gonna be enough to scare the opposing quarterback or scare a stripe into their pants so you really I, had to backtrack just to make that joke. I did. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think the intimidation is just going to be something that can also work into our favor. I would agree with that, but let's circle back. Cause we got off on a little bit of a tangent today. Let's circle back to Sunday's game against the New York jets. Let's go over, like briefly just explain what happened in that game in case anyone didn't uh, catch it. The first half was, you know, it went the same way that the season's been going this entire time. Mitch Trubisky running around like a headless chicken, can't figure out where to go. And when he finally does fling the football down the field, someone probably drops it. Uh, penalties, 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 penalties. The offensive line looked like a mess. You know, Najee wasn't finding holes. The defense actually played pretty well in the first half. But the offense was just an absolute train wreck. Halftime comes. Coach Tomlin goes in the locker room, says eight's in. Second half opens up. And... Pick comes out and I, that stadium went crazy. It was absolutely insane. So Pickett comes out. He runs, you know, a couple run plays at first. Takes a deep shot down the field. Uh, Chase Claypool, all six foot six and however many hundred pounds of him, who claimed that he could catch any 50-50 ball that came his way, basically handed an interception to the Jets on a silver platter because he has butterfingers, I guess. Uh, but thankfully, we have Minka Fitzpatrick on our team, so. Minka gets the ball right back. Kenny goes down, scores again. And the third quarter was kind of, it was a little bit back and forth. It was mostly in favor of the Steelers. And then the fourth quarter came. And you you know 
what happens to the Steelers in the fourth quarter. The defense packs it in. They say, we're going home. It's nap time. So, you know, Kenny throws that second interception. We can argue all day whether it was a bad throw or whose fault it was. In fairness, he should have just thrown the ball away. But also in fairness, if it hits your receiver in the hands, they better come down with it. So, you know, you can blame that on, you can blame that on him or you cannot. I think either way is acceptable. But regardless, Jets get the ball back. Uh, the defense has its head up its butt and doesn't do anything until, oh, wait a minute, we got the Jets in fourth and seven. It was at like their 40-something. Their 40, no, our 45, I think. And so all you have to do is keep them behind the marker. What do they do? Let up a 25-yard pass to Corey Davis. And that basically sealed it. Uh, Zach Wilson would hand the ball off with like 16 seconds left. So they'd score a touchdown, and Kenny would get his third interception by trying to throw a Hail Mary pass. So for the first time this year, I would say that more blame is probably on the defense than the offense just because you had third down after third down after fourth down to stop them from getting to the end zone on that final drive. And it was like watching a Saw movie. It was absolutely horrific. That defense was getting carved and smacked around and just, oh, my gosh. It was so disorganized. It was a mess. It was an absolute mess. If you're looking for horror movies to watch in the month of October, uh, go back and watch the fourth quarter of that game. Oh, my goodness. It was miserable. Um, but look, as, as miserable as that game was, and as depressed as I was for the rest of that day, I I'd argued there were a lot of wins to take out of that. I mean, we know Minka's still he he's gonna be our savior as long as TJ Watt's out, and I mean when TJ Watt comes back in, Minka Minka's back from his down year, and that's official. Yeah. So three picks in four games. We have that exactly. We have that to look forward to. Um, also, the injuries to Minka and Cam both don't seem to be too uh, great or too impactful. So they will likely be playing in full in the next couple of games. Um, and we finally got what we've wanted for this whole year. Kenny Pickett is in. And I don't know if any of our viewers have been watching the post-game interviews. I honestly haven't up until this game because most of the games have been depressing and I don't really want to relive any of it. That's reasonable. Um, but I did watch this one because I wanted to see the reactions to the new changes. And Kenny Pickett ha- sounded like a 5- to 10-year veteran. He sounded like he'd been playing in the NFL for years. Just saying, I knew exactly what had to happen on this play. Uh, one of the plays that he was talking about was a killer play to Pat Fryermuth over the middle. Um, got over 20 yards. It was a, it was a big play. Um, and what happened is Kenny threw it over the middle. Right as he lets the ball go, gets pummeled by a Jets defender. But he made the play. He got a first down. He got a big chunk of yardage. And that's what he needed to do. And some of the reporters asked him, you know, what was going through your mind when you were throwing that ball? And he's like, nothing. Nothing new. 
He's like, that's that's my job as a quarterback is I need to throw the ball, complete it to the receiver, and a lot of times I'm going to get hit during it or I'm going to get hit after it. So it's not it, – and that's, that's what I loved is that so much of this job, like he's coming into it new because he's a rookie. But in his mind, none of it is new for him. And I think that's the big thing is that he's not – in so many cases, even – in the passes that really or the interceptions that weren't his fault he's blaming himself for it which some pe- people could say yeah that's a uh you know that's gonna break his confidence and that's gonna hurt him but no if you hear him talk about this he's like i know my job and i know what i'm gonna do and i don't like to lose and we didn't win today so that's on me i'm going to show and i'm going to do what i need to do to get better and we're going to go out there and we're going to win. And that that's the attitude that we didn't see from Mitch Trubisky. I, I mean, I didn't watch a lot of those interviews, but I looked at a lot of clips and I looked at a lot of quotes from those interviews. Mitch Trubisky was throwing a lot of blame other places. And he said, yeah, he, he said on some cases that he wasn't bringing what he should have, and we all knew that. But he was also saying that the play calling was inadequate. Yes, we know that, but what are you going to do about it? He said that our receivers need to be more aggressive. I'm like, yeah, maybe a little bit, but, bro, you're not throwing across the middle at all, and your deepest pass is like 15 yards. You want to talk about aggression? How about throwing a 40-yard pass on your first NFL pass, yeah, maybe it gets picked off, but at least you're going for the end zone. Should have been caught, too. Right. Pick it immediately out of the gun on his first NFL pass, at least attempted to be more aggressive than any of our quarterbacks have been in the last three years. And I love Ben Roethlisberger, but he wasn't aggressive in his old age because he he was scared because he has been injured more than any quarterback in the league and was behind a faltering O-line. So I don't blame him for being wary. But finally, we have that aggression on offense. And maybe, maybe, I mean, granted, I still think Matt Canada's kind of an idiot, but maybe all that Matt Canada's plan needed was a mobile quarterback who can be aggressive. Yep. Maybe that's at least going to make his ideas better now having a offensive coordinator that needs a very specific type of quarterback is not ideal because if one part of that offense doesn't fit the exact mold of our offensive scheme then we're going to do what we've been doing over the last couple games but maybe we found this secret piece that'll at least get us there for some of the rest of the year so I know I went on a bit of a tangent about that, but what I'm saying is we finally saw the change and we're finally seeing the attitude that we want to see out of our offensive and, I'd argue, team leader. And the fact that that's coming from a 24-year-old rookie who's up until now has never played a snap in the NFL and he's acting more professional than half of our team, I'd argue that that is exactly what we want. 
especially when we're a franchise that is built off of confidence. But, Bill, what what do you think about that? Because I, I know I just kind of spatted out some some of my opinions for a long bit. Uh, yeah, confidence confidence is the big thing. And Kenny seems to have confidence in the offense. The offense has confidence in him. Let's just hope that and keep that confidence alive. I'm going to sort of transition into our talk uh, preview of the Buffalo game. Uh, because I think that's going to be their first real test of this new direction. Obviously, Kenny's going to have to go against one of the best defenses in the Buffalo Bills. I, I, that's a tall task for him, but I think that he'll match it well. He might not overcome it necessarily, but I think he'll match it. The defense has to be able to hold down the fort, which they have not done the last couple weeks. So if we're keeping with the whole confidence theme – you know, the defense has to have confidence in itself. I, T, TJ or no TJ, you know, we don't we didn't draft you guys so that you can sit around and say, oh, well, TJ was not on the team. Like, I don't care. You are professional athletes. So, you know, pick up the slack a little bit. And against the Jets, they didn't really have an excuse because the Steelers dominated time of possession. So yeah. none of this, none of this, you know, they were out on the field for however long. Look, I like our defense. I like a lot of the, I like Minka. I like Miles Jack. I like I know you kind of bash on her from time to time, but I like Akella Witherspoon. I like our secondary. Like I like a lot of the pieces, but something about it is just not fitting together right now. So if if on Sunday in Buffalo they want to not get absolutely slaughtered, the defense needs to like clench its cheeks. Especially against Buffalo, who right now has a top five offense in the league. Yep. Can't say a top or like the top offense in the league. They actually, I'd argue possibly have a better defense than they do offense right now, but their offense is still top five. And Josh Allen is playing like the best quarterback in the league right now. So the defense needs to shape up, but I, I mean, going back to our kind of big theme for so far on confidence I think the defense hasn't really had confidence in the offense that they're going to put up enough points. And so they've kind of been demoralized when the offense goes out there and doesn't do anything. And I didn't see that change in the third and fourth quarter. So I'm thinking that it would be a little bit along what you said, and they don't have confidence in themselves. But I think having a game where Kenny leads the whole time and the offense and defense alike going in with a different mindset. I think mm-hmm. that could bring up a big change there. But basically, I need to see the offense that Kenny gave us a glimpse of in that third and little bit fourth quarter. And I need to see the defense from Cincinnati. Like, the defense that played against Cincinnati. The defense that turned Joe Burrow over four times. Exactly. that. I need those two combined. And maybe, maybe we can beat Buffalo. But this, this is easily going to be our hardest game of the year. And I want to say this to everybody watching, that if we lose this game, do not look at the the points don't look at who won look at 
what we did well and if we got close. Because if we made this game even somewhat aggressive and close, that's going to show you more about what kind of team we can be. That's, I mean, that's accurate. I just want to add one other uh, quick comment. Is that uh, for these next four games, it's Buffalo, it's Tampa, it's Miami, and it's Philadelphia. Give Pickett a little bit of slack on these four games because they're his first four games in the NFL and um, they're against four of the best teams in, in football. Now, that having said that, don't completely exempt him from any mistakes that he makes because obviously you, know, you got to learn. You got to like fix them. You can't just pretend that nothing happened. But don't we can't treat Pickett the same way we treated Mitch. when Because in fairness, Mitch was playing against Four, three of his first four games were against some of the worst teams in football right now, and he absolutely crapped the bet on those. Kenny's doing literally the opposite, so cut him some slack is all I'm going to say for uh, moving forward. You know this this game is not heavily in our favor, but we have a chance to learn a lot of stuff about our team from it, and then see what we need to do differently. Yeah, let's actually move right into this week's stock rising teams. And those teams are the Atlanta Falcons. Might be a bit of a controversial take because I know a lot of people said that they were going to be the worst team in football. They're not the worst. I'll give them credit there. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, who just much like the Falcons, people thought they were going to be one of the worst teams. And, you know, Geno Smith. I mean, he just put up 48 points against Detroit. Uh, granted, it was against Detroit, and they don't have the greatest defense ever, but 48 points is 48 points. And our third stock-rising team is the Green Bay Packers. Bit of an interesting one, I'm aware, because Green Bay is one of those teams that never really fell out of favor with a lot of the NFL, I think, even after they choked week one against Minnesota. Um, but I think the big reason that I'm putting them on stock rising is the defense worries me a little bit. I'll give them that. But the offense is making things happen with a cardboard cutout of Devontae Adams wearing gloves as a wide receiver. Their receiving core is not good. Plain and simple. It's just not. I mean, it's not good. They got who? who Christian Watson, Alan Lazard, uh, Randall Cobb, I think, is still on that team. Yeah, he is. And they're just they're not putting up phenomenal numbers. They're not going to put up phenomenal numbers, especially this year, because Christian Watson's a rookie. How about that running game though, huh? Their running game's definitely getting better. I mean, Aaron Jones two- stampeded the Patriots. It was nuts. Yeah, but you also got AJ Dillon, who's one of the best secondary backs in the league as well. And he's honestly somebody that they go to at the goal line a lot. So that's that's another one that you you never really know which one's going to hit you or how hard they're going to hit you. But yeah, I watch out for Green Bay's running game. I think that's going to they're going to make a lot of people pay with those backs this year. Um hope, you know, assuming that Rodgers continues to you know, fling the football well, which I haven't seen any signs of decline from him thus far. Um again, his receivers aren't good, but that doesn't mean they can't catch the ball. Unlike ours. Uh, the other's receivers. Yeah. 
Now, having said that, would I trade Deontay Johnson for Christian Watson? Absolutely not. Uh, so let's just get that out of the way. But yeah, keep keep Green Bay on your radar because it always every time it seems like they're going away, they never really are. So just keep an eye out for them. Uh, with that being said, let's move into the stock falling teams for this week. Definitely some more controversial ones here. We have the Indianapolis Colts. Where is Jonathan Taylor? I, I, I need to know. I cannot find him. He's, I mean, where? I think they left him in Houston with their tie. I, they must have done that. I don't, I have no clue where he's at. That's a big part of their offensive problems right now. They just, Jonathan Taylor is just not involved. Um, but so Indianapolis Colts, the LA Rams, who I hesitate to put on this list just because they did just win the Super Bowl. They also only put up nine points against Jimmy Garoppolo's 24 on Monday night. So not exactly a lot of positives there for LA, I'm thinking. I just I just don't know what it is. They're just not clicking this year. I don't I don't know. They just don't look they don't look as good as they used as they did last year. Uh I still think with LA that last year everybody found out that Cooper Cup is a cheat code and now people are starting to actually scheme against him and the Rams aren't prepared for it. Yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna make any comments about Matthew Stafford throwing a Cooper Cup because Twitter roasted him alive. So I'm just not gonna say anything. I'm not. I'm not I'm not caving to petty insults about who Matt Stafford throws the football to. I'm not gonna do it. I won't do it. And then our third stock falling team for the week. Everyone knew it was coming. Miami Dolphins. Zach, I'll let you analyze it from a football angle. I'm just, I'm, I got, I just have a couple things to say about Miami, just as an organization. You know, when Brian Flores first came out and said that he was suing the Miami Dolphins franchise for racial discrimination, I'm sitting there thinking, like, all right, you know, there's probably, there's, probably, there's nothing wrong with Miami. You know, they're fine. He's just mad that he got fired. It was a stupid move on Miami's part. Brian Flores is talking about how horrible the Dolphins front offices and you know most people like disregard that whatever it's probably just one off you know again he's mad that he just, he's just mad that he got fired then this whole scandal comes out about them cheating and was it trying to pay off Tom Brady trying to do something with Tom Brady meddling with him while he was on Buccaneers I don't remember exactly. oh yeah they they illegally tried to uh basically trade for Tom Brady but the reason why it was illegal is they didn't want to trade for him they tried to get him on technical free agency but he wasn't a free agent yeah so then that whole thing breaks and everybody was mad after that so now you're starting to think okay what what is going on with miami then this 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 tua thing happened boy howdy this tua thing happened you know, typically speaking, if a man cannot walk in a straight line without falling to the ground, you wouldn't want to put him in the most violent sport in America. Typically speaking, you don't think you'd do that, right? I feel like I feel like that's that'd be a given. You just don't want to do that. 
Yep, there's Miami leaving Tua in for the second half of the game. All right, fine. Thank, thank the Lord he made it out of that without any serious issues. You're, you, they ought to consider themselves lucky he made it out of that without brain trauma. But you know Miami, if it ain't broke, you better break it. So what do they do? Less than a week later, Thursday night against Cincinnati, there's Tua running around like a madman. Zach, did you watch that game against the Bengals? I did. I did watch that game. I actually watched when he got hit. Yeah, did you, did you happen to catch what happened after he hit the ground out of curiosity? Uh, man went almost comatose. I mean, he, yeah. he curled up. It was clear signs of concussion. Uh, hands started getting outstretched, which is also uh, just common signs of a spinal injury, some sort of spinal injury generally. When your hands curl up in that way, it's more of top of the spine, so more of the neck, um, which makes sense because he hit shoulder and then also back of the neck and back of the head, so it was a lot of whiplash. But Yeah, yeah. Props yeah. to uh, Amazon Prime, by the way, for making sure that we got a close-up of him and then making sure that we got it again and again. And again, just just to make sure he was still on the ground. You know what I mean? So shout out to Amazon Prime for having absolutely zero moral standards. What 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 the heck is wrong with Miami? Like what 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 I, what, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? There is no way Tua should have been cleared to even play that game. So we ought to consider it a blessing that the doctor was fired. The doctor who cleared him to play was fired because clearly they were not capable of efficiently and effectively and correctly evaluating a concussion. But how about you guys in Miami use a little bit of common sense? If the man is just off, don't play him because you know he's coming off of an injury that he suffered week three. Or was that four? Uh, It was three. It was week three. Yeah, so you know he's coming off an injury, you, and you knew that he had something going on in the head because you watched him fall over numerous times while he was trying to walk. So you knew that something was up, and yet you let him play anyway. Somebody explain that to him. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Look, man, as a football fan, you love seeing your stars play. You do. I get it. But as a human being, you got to understand that there are some things more important than football. Yeah, I, I hope Miami gets the absolute book thrown at them by whoever is in charge of throwing books at people, because that was just and I, you know I don't mean to make light of it, but I I meant that it sounded like a joke. I meant that seriously. I just don't know who would like throw the book at them. I don't know if it'd be the NFLPA or cause I know the NFL themselves aren't going to do it. They don't give a damn. It's the NFL. What do they care as long as they get more money? Um. But I hope Miami is penalized severely because this is just inexcusable. Absolutely inexcusable. We, you hope that Tua can just like – you hope that he can play again just like in general and that he doesn't yeah. have like permanent brain damage because Miami was a bunch of idiots. But it, it, It's really a shame. I mean that, that was one of the nastiest plays I've seen on a football field. And not that that – defender did anything necessarily bad he might have drove a little bit too much into the chest of the quarterback which they're trying to get rid of but i mean i've seen other quarterbacks survive that hit and be fine 
Um, the biggest thing is I, I know I've taken a lot of, you know, like first aid things and just with working as like a coach and some of my jobs and seeing stuff like that, you're, you're always worried about the second impact on concussions and that's, that's dangerous. Having a second concussive impact uh, in a lot of cases can lead to death. I mean, it's, it's not something to mess with at any time. So if you see any signs of it, you're, you should immediately bench basically as, I mean, not in like a bad way, but you should immediately bench that player because it's not worth it. It's the duty of the team to protect players from themselves sometimes. Exactly. Sometimes you have to step up and be the bigger man, I guess, in that case. You got You have. I mean, you have to. You can't let them go out like that. And you know it, too. That's the part that sucks the most. I mean, they knew that. They knew this. And that's just – that's an excuse. Yeah. Uh, taking a little bit of a more football-related angle to it, Obviously, not having Tua for an extended period of time is going to hurt Miami. Bridgewater didn't seem to miss too much of a beat. I mean, obviously, it's a step back from Tua. But I think Miami will be able to float their boat okay with Bridgewater at the helm. But, I mean, he's no Tua, you know? And I mean, having a backup quarterback is just always demoralizing. And that's just the way it is. And Tua was electric. For he this was. Per- he was playing, like a top three quarterback in football. And I I wasn't going to go as far as to say this year, he's a top three quarterback in football, but he's playing at that level. And he, he, he was playing at that level. I mean, watching what he did in Baltimore to get the dolphins that win, it was incredible. And you don't have that kind of life on your team right now. Plus, I mean, yeah, we're getting into more of a football level, but you you don't have the confidence of the other players in the organization if they know everything that went down with this, you know? So it's – there's a lot of – stuff, and it goes back to what we were talking about with the Steelers. It goes back to a lot of stuff with confidence. And I don't know how many players still have a lot of confidence in – their starting QB, their organization, possibly their head coach, to continue to move on with the same fire that they started the season with. Yeah. Game also ended in a loss. I mean, you, you kind of knew it would, but a loss is not always something that's really easy to get over. Yeah. It's... It's going to be hard for Miami moving forward. It doesn't mean they can't bounce back, but they're going to have to commit. They're like really going to have to commit to it. So, obviously, we wish Tua nothing but the best, and we hope his recovery goes well. Anyway, let's uh, move on from that. Let's move on to our dark horse for the week. Zach, I feel like I've talked a lot today. You can take over the dark horse if you so wish. Yeah. Dark horse is San Francisco 49ers. And some people are wondering, you know, why would that necessarily be a dark horse? They're actually a pretty good team. And a lot of people knew that they would be a pretty good team. But I will say Jimmy G is coming off of a 
surgery. He's coming off of shoulder surgery over the offseason. And he was also supposed to be their backup. Their leader this year, who didn't really look good while he was leading them, but, you know, he was still supposed to be their leader. Trey Lance went out with a season-ending injury. And, you know, having your lead quarterback going out with a season-ending injury hurts our number one theme of the day, which is confidence. Um, geez, we sound like a kindergarten school. So today we're going to talk about confidence. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's something that's going around the NFL. But th- they, they faced a lot of problems at the beginning of the year. Uh, but, you know, they've just came off a huge win against the Rams, which the Rams, I know we said that they're in the stock falling. But they're still, they are not a bad team. And nobody here can sit and tell me that they are a bad team. Are they as good as we thought? Maybe not. But they are not a bad team by any stretch this year. So you came off of a good win there. They also beat Seattle, who we had on our stock rising, a team that really has a better offense than we thought they would. And they actually held the Seattle offense to zero points. Um, because Seattle's seven points came from a blocked field goal. So, I mean, San Francisco has one of those defenses that is going to win them games. And their offense still has Debo Samuel. And Debo Samuel showed in that game yesterday why he's one of the most dangerous players in football. He can light up an entire field easily without anybody being surprised about it i mean it's fantastic to watch unless you're playing them but they had a lot of problems that were facing them and a lot of people were worried about whether they can overcome them and i think they're adequately overcoming them and really the cardinals haven't shown a lot that they're uh you know going to be major players in the nfc west which kind of sucks because I wish they would to an extent. Seattle is still rebuilding, and the Rams, as we said, their their stock's falling. And San Francisco right now is a dark horse to pull out a big win in the NFC West. So that's all I'm saying about that. But, uh, yeah, look, look out for San Francisco there. And since we're on the topic of confidence, let's turn it over to the man who has confidence every week and risks getting ridiculed by fans every week. Zach, hit me with your hot take of this week. Yeah, so hot take this week, you know, it's, it's Kenny Pickett week. So we, we got to go back to Kenny Pickett. So my hot take is that Kenny Pickett will lead the league in rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks, not for everybody. Um, league with Lamar Jackson? Uh, yeah. Right now they have the same amount of rushing touchdowns. That is a hot take. He yeah. did not tell me this before we started. That's true. I kept it a secret this time, so Dill has no idea. But, uh, no, I, I think he will. Um, one of my biggest reasons is – I don't know if I trust our wide receivers to catch as many touchdowns as they should. So I can see us getting into a lot of red zone situations. And, you know, he 
throws it to our wide receivers a couple times, don't make the plays that they need to, he has to take it in himself. Uh, the other reason is because he is aggressive. He is a type of aggressive that we haven't seen in a while when it comes to Steelers quarterbacks. And he's a type of mobile that we haven't seen in a while from Steelers quarterbacks. And we've already seen from a couple plays that he's able to get out of the pocket. He's able to make those runs. Uh, he already scored two rushing touchdowns for us because the Steelers have a very, you know, common tendency to get very close to the goal line, but not always easily get in there. And uh, I think Pickett's going to say, you know what, if the rest of the team can't get in there, I'm going to get in there myself. And it might not be rushing touchdowns in the same way as Lamar Jackson got rushing touchdowns, but he's going to get rushing touchdowns because he's going to have to, to get the kind of success that he wants and that the Steelers want. So at least I think for some of his earlier games before the offense really starts heating up, he's going to be getting a lot of rushing touchdowns because he's going to know what he has to do. Um, and that's why he's likely going to lead the league in rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks. And it's it's not outrageous because Lamar Jackson's been, you know, exciting the league more with his arm this year than his legs. He has a personal record for – longest rushing touchdown by him with 79 yards earlier this year, but he still only has two rushing touchdowns, which is tied with Kenny Pickett. So right now Pickett's actually making his way up there. And uh, I, I would not be surprised if that's what I saw from him, but yes, this is definitely one of my hotter hot takes over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but stay tuned because, you know, I think Kenny Pickett's going to really excite us, not just with his arms, but also with his legs. So, again, keep an eye out for Kenny Pickett. Uh, keep an eye out for our Steelers offense. Hopefully they start ramping it up here, uh, especially with its newfound confidence. Uh, we love confidence. Uh, be confident in yourself, but most importantly, be confident in the Steelers team. Um, but, yeah, so we are going to end this podcast the way that Steelers fans end every day. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ooh. Before that happens. I know we said last week that there was a chance for a double episode this week. Uh, that chance is slowly going down. So we will see. It, there will be a double episode eventually once the XFL gets their, you know, shit together, for lack of a better term. Yeah, But yeah. I don't know if it'll be this week because I've seen – Absolutely zero reliable reports saying that it'll be this week. So it's possible, um, but I wouldn't count on it. All right, but now, now we will end this podcast the way that Steelers fans end every day. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go.